Well, is anybody hungry for the word? Amen. Amen. And we're going to get right into it. I want to encourage you, as this is day one, uh, I want to give a gift out to every household today. We told you about this last week. They are out at the Info Center today. This is a book called 21 Days of Breakthrough Prayer. Powerful little book. Uh, I've read through several times, and we have a copy out there at the Info Center for every household. Grab one of those on your way out today. It will encourage you, as well as the devotional videos that are coming out as we move forward into this 21 days together. I want to talk this morning about how to break through. Anybody want to know how? H-O-W, how. Number one, if you're taking notes, humility. The H is for humility. This is how to get a breakthrough. Let me give you a couple scriptures. As you're finding your place in Psalm 73, let me read a couple other Psalms. Psalm 25 verse 9 says, He guides the humble in what is right, and he teaches them his way. Who does he guide? I'm, I'm glad the staff knows the answer. <laughs> Thank you, Val. Thank you, Chris. Who does he guide? The, the humble, that's right. He guides the humble in what is right. Psalm 149.4 says, for the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Any winners in the 10 a.m. service today? It's the humble that he crowns with victory. Psalm 77 says this, I cried out to God for help. He cried, I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. <clears throat> That's the statement of a person who's praying in desperation. He says, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to go to sleep. Uh, just because my hands are tired, I'm not going to let them fall. I'm going to lift my voice. This is a person that does what the old timers call just praying through until you prayed through. <laughs> just, you just... Just pray through to the breakthrough. He said, I'm just going to press in. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to go after this until I've, I've received what I'm seeking from the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, there's one thing that God does not respond to, and that is prayerlessness. So before there can be breakthrough, sometimes there needs to be a breakdown. Look at Psalm 73 with me, and you'll see an example of a person that needed to, to have a bit of a breakdown of their thought process, of their logic, of their understanding before they could receive a breakthrough. I, I love this story. Asaph is a, a godly man. He's obviously one of the writers of the Psalms. And he begins this chapter by saying in verse 2, my foot had almost slipped. I don't know if some of you are slipping into church this morning, looking back on this weekend, saying that, like, whoo, just got away with that one. Like, that was, a, that, was a, that was a rough weekend. My foot almost slipped, but praise God, I'm here today. I guess that's the 1130 crowd. You guys are quiet. You're like, what? People do bad things on weekends? <laughs> he said, my foot almost slipped. Why? He said, I envied the arrogant of the wicked when I, saw the pro when I saw their prosperity. He began to envy them. He began to look at what was happening in other people's lives and all that they, was, they were doing and all the things that was working out for them. And he began to get jealous. Look at verse 12. It says, this is what the wicked are like. 
always carefree. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishment. Come on, this guy is having a good old-fashioned pity party. Right? You ever, you ever been there before? You ever forgotten for just a few moments that we look at life through filters? I mean, th this is Asaph. He's going, I look at the wicked and, man, they, they don't get old. They don't have any, verse 4, he said they don't have any struggles. Their bodies are healthy. They're strong. He's looking at them going, man, look, they don't have any bags under their eyes. You know, you're scrolling through social media. Man, look at their perfect complexion. It's a filter. Look at how great their life is. That's the 47th attempt at that picture. Right? This is Asaph. He's going, man, when I look at the wicked and everything that works out for them, I don't even know why I try. I don't even know why I make sacrifices to serve the Lord. I don't even know if this is worth it anymore. In verse 13, well, well let, me, let me read verse 12 to you. Again, he, in, in verse 13, he said, surely in vain I've kept your promises. In verse 15, he says, I've, if I spoke like that out loud, if, if the things that I'm feeling in my heart, if the things that <laughs> I've been complaining about, if I spoke out loud like that, I would have betrayed your children. Man, I can't think of a more practical scripture for a social media inundated generation in the church. How many of you would have to be honest today and confess, well, I, I did speak out loud. I, I if I had posted how I felt, he said, I would have betrayed your children. If, if, I, had, if I had just put that out there, Man, I was at a low point. I was, I was frustrated. I was angry. I, I, was, I was retaliating. But thank God Asif had some self-control. And he goes, you know what? I, I felt all that. I was complaining to God about it, but I didn't say it out loud. I didn't post it. And, and if, if I had posted it, I would have betrayed your children. Verse 16. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. You ever been there? Like, I just can't make sense. I can't make sense of this. But look at verse 17. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. All of a sudden, he got into the presence of God, and he began to get a right perspective on what was happening in his life. Asaph begins to humble himself and seek the Lord. He starts focusing on God and stop worrying about everybody else's story. Stop worrying about everybody else's real. Stop worrying about what everybody's gains are. And he just said, I'm just focusing on the Lord. And all of a sudden, he begins to move into a right perspective. And, and then he looks back, and I love this. In, in chapter 73, he looks back on how he was acting before the breakthrough. And he describes it for us in verse 21. He says, when my heart was grieved and my spirit was embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. <laughs> you know, we can be like that sometimes. 
like a bull in a china shop, like a brute beast. He said, look, look at you, man. You're, you're, just, you're being overrun by your emotions. You're, you're just kind of lashing out at people. You're just kind of letting everybody know how you feel. You're, you're living under this constant comparison with other people and this feeling of inferiority and why should I bother? Why should I serve God? Why should I pray? Why should I fast? Why should I sacrifice? Why should I give my money when they got the raise? They got the new bass boat. They, and all of a sudden, we, we live in this place that is bondage but when I entered the sanctuary of the Lord I understood you know God doesn't need much to do much but he does need humility if he's going to work in your life that's why Peter said in first Peter 5 humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time I love that verse he says it's not that God can't or that God won't or that he doesn't want to. Humble yourself so that he may. Put yourself in a position so that God can work in your life. Because then in the next verse, he says this. He says, cast all of your cares, all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Listen, you're never going to be able to cast all of your cares, all of your anxieties on the Lord if you're too proud to acknowledge what's weighing you down. So, so you got to put yourself in a position for the Lord to help you. you got to put yourself in a position for the Lord to lift you up in due time. How do we do it? We humble ourselves. We humble ourselves. Breakthrough comes to those who break down. I'm not talking about having an emotional breakdown or a psychological breakdown. I'm talking about those who will break down the facade of spirituality, those who would get real with God, those that would get honest today and say, God, this is where I'm at. Here's what I'm dealing with. If you need a breakthrough, can I just encourage you? You got to call on God. If you need God to do something in your life, you got to tell him. I think about the rich young ruler and his story in the New Testament. He comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that was his problem. He thought he could do everything. He was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. And so his problem was his possessions and his positions. He put way too much stock in what he had earned and, and who was following him. And so Jesus responds to him and he says, okay, if you want to inherit eternal life, sell all your, or give away all your possessions to the poor. That takes care of the possessions part. And then come follow me. That takes care of the position part. Like stop being the leader and stop being all about what you own. And, and Jesus really doesn't have a problem with leadership, and he doesn't have a problem with money. He has a problem with those things owning us. And so he says, okay, well, we'll just get rid of the positions and the possessions, and then you can follow me. Jesus was trying to help this man. He was trying to bring him to a place where he would say, hey, quit being all about your image. Quit being about your status. Quit being about your self-confidence. Just humble yourself. And you'll, you'll step into a, a level of blessing that you've never known in your life before, but the Bible says this sad commentary. It says, the man went away sad because he had great wealth. He went away sad in that moment. Jesus couldn't give him the, the breakthrough into the new life in Christ. He could have been one of the apostles. This guy could have ended up writing one of the gospels. We don't know what his untapped potential was because he wouldn't first break down. 
So what area of your life do you need to humble your heart to the Lord? The psalmist David said in Psalm 51, 17, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Breakthrough comes after breakdown, a breakdown of pride, a breakdown of our independence, admitting to God that that you need a breakthrough in in your family, in your marriage, in your emotions, in your health, whatever it might be. It's it's that acknowledgement that says, God, I I need you in this moment. I want to give you two verses out of the Old Testament that really help us to understand what I'm trying to explain to you. And the first is in Jeremiah 4 and 3. It says, this is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among the thorns. See, you can waste the season if you don't cultivate the soil of your life. He says, don't, don't, don't sow your, your seed on unplowed ground. You got you to gotta break up the ground. Otherwise, it's going to be fruitless. It's, it's not going to produce anything. In Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12, the Lord said, Sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. And break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. Can I tell you what time it is? It's time to seek the Lord. A lot of us, we go into moments like fasting, and we kind of take our Christian culture into that with the lens of immediate gratification. Like, okay, I, I, like people, for example, show up at church when their whole world falls apart, uh, and I'm glad if that's you, I mean, praise God, I'm glad you're here. That's the right decision. That's the right thing. But then the way we Americanize it is like if, if everything's not fixed by noon, we're like, God ain't, God ain't doing nothing for me. I mean, they, they said go to church. God would help me. He didn't help me. Right? We do that. And so we can go into a season like this and say, hey, this is going to be 21 days of fasting and, and prayer. And on day two, we're going like, okay, God, you're spo- I mean, I'm supposed to be like living under the windows of heaven. I'm supposed to be drinking from the spout where the glory comes out. Like, what's going on? My stomach's growling. I'm hungry. I want a sandwich. I don't like this. Right? And we think, hey, is this, this is sowing time. Or we say, hey, I'm doing a thing for God. This is reaping time. And Hosea, through Hosea, the Lord says, this is not sowing time. This is not reaping time. This is the time to break up the unplowed ground. We, we have those, those dark recesses of our heart and our soul that we like to keep under our Sunday best. The things that are not so easy to shout about, the, the areas of our life that we, they're, they're unplowed. They're untilled attitudes, frustrations, emotions, habits, hang-ups, whatever it might be for you. Search your own heart today. But we all have those areas of our life that, that we don't go to quickest. Those things, there's still a sensitive nerve there when we get on that topic. And I don't really want to deal with that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about that. That relationship, that, that hurt, that pain, whatever it might be in your life, it's, it's just... It's still an exposed nerve, and God says, no, this is the time to to break up the unplowed ground. Can I just remind somebody today that breakthrough starts with breaking? Breakthrough starts with breaking. 
How do I break through? It starts with humility. The O is for obedience. You know, it's one thing to acknowledge that we need God's help, but it is another thing entirely to actually do what he says. <laughs> to say, okay, God, I'm gonna obey. I think about the first miracle in Jesus' ministry when he turned water into wine at a wedding in Canaan. Now, there's two reasons that miracle happened. The first one is because they invited Jesus to the wedding. Now, I know that seems terribly simplistic, but you'd be amazed at how many people have ask for my counsel in their marriage. They want God's help, but they never invite God to the wedding. They never pray together. They never read the Bible together. They don't sit together in church, and they're waiting for Jesus to do a miracle, and Jesus isn't at the wedding. He's not in the marriage. So I think it's pretty profound that of all the people they could have invited, Jesus got the invite. The second reason they saw the miracle happen is because they obeyed what he said. It doesn't help to have Jesus in the room if you're not listening to him. And the Bible says in that story in John 2 and 5, his mother said to the servants and the attendants, she said, do, what, do whatever he tells you. And they did. Don't moms always give the best advice? Like, just, just do what Jesus tells you to do. <laughs> Can I just tell you this? For those of you that are, that are leaning in at whatever level, to this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Fasting is a very practical way to practice obedience. You know, if I said like 21 days of, you know, I don't know, nature hikes and granola bars or, you know, Christian concerts or whatever floats your boat, you know, you know, 21 days of like golfing, we're gonna meet Jesus in the fairway. Like, yes. <laughs> like, no. Like 21 days of not eating the things you want to eat. Why, am I, why would you do that? Well, only one reason, really. He said so. I'm, I'm going to do it because he said so. And because breakthrough comes at, on the other side of obedience. Breakthrough comes. I, I love the story in, in 2 Kings chapter 5. And it's the story of Naaman. In fact, I'm going to go there quickly. Naaman is an important leader. And in 2 Kings 5, the first verse gives this description of him. He's a commanding officer in the army of Aram. He's a great man. He's highly regarded. Uh, he, he's had many victories. He's a valiant soldier. But then the last line says, but he had leprosy. Naaman needed a breakthrough. All the things he had done and all the, the stripes and honor on his jacket, they, they could do nothing about this incurable disease. And so he has this servant girl who had actually been captured uh, in Israel in a conflict with his army and brought back to his house. She's now a slave. She's a servant. But she's still got a heart and she sees him struggling with this sickness and she says, I wish... I wish he would call for the prophet in Israel. He could heal him of that. And it's amazing how when you're desperate, you'll listen to anybody that's got the answer. And all of a sudden, this, this great commanding officer listens to this little servant girl in his home. And he goes to visit the prophet Elijah. Look at verse 9 with me. It says, so Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. 
Now, if you go back in verse 5, you find out he didn't show up empty-handed. He actually took 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. It's like he's, he's ready to, to earn or to pay for the miracle. Verse 10 says this, Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Now that sounds easy. Can you imagine that? He didn't even come out to, to take the gold, to take the silver. He just sent a messenger and said, just go wash yourself in the Jordan River seven times, and you'll be made whole. But look at verse 11. It says, Naaman went away angry. He said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. You know what his problem was? He had been watching too many televangelists. I think that was his, that was his problem. He was like, I know how miracles happen, you know. Why didn't he come out? Why isn't he wearing a white suit? Why isn't he waving his hand over? You know, why isn't he making a big spectacle in a show? And he had all these ideas of what a miracle was going to look like. He was offended. And people, people still do it today. People come up front for prayer. and Man, they just had this like volunteer altar worker come up. And this guy, I don't even know, prayed for me. I thought the preacher was going to pray for me. Man, I thought he was going to like, you know, lay his hands on me and shout and do all this stuff. And we have these expectations for man to do things that only God can do. You know, you can't say, God, I want a breakthrough, but here's how you have to do it. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And Naaman's frustrated. And he's angry, and his servant talks some sense into him, and he says, hey, if he had asked you to do something really hard, you would have done it, right? Well, yeah. He's like, okay, well, this is easy. Do something easy. And so he does, and he obeys, and, and God gives him the healing that he needed, but it only comes because of obedience. God had given Joshua a plan for how the children of Israel were going to possess Jericho, that, that first uh, Hingepin city in the promised land. And God gives him a plan and he says, Joshua, here's what's going to happen. You're going to take the, the people of Israel and you're going to march around the walls of Jericho once a day for six days and then on the seventh day, seven times. And at the end of the seventh trek on the seventh day, you're going to lift up your voices and you're going to shout and the trumpets are going to blast. And then he says in Joshua 6, 5, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, every one straight in. But you're not going to see anything for 13 laps. Can you imagine what it must have felt like to be Joshua in that moment? I mean, God had already spoken to him at the beginning of the chapter and he said, see, I'm giving you the city. And Joshua's looking at the city and the Bible says the city was uh, locked shut. It was secured. Nobody could go in. Nobody could go out because Israel was outside. They had barred the doors. And God says, see, I've given you the city. And Joshua's going, no, I don't, I don't see. I, I see. I see doors that are locked shut, just like the Bible says they were. But it's one thing to say, okay, God, I hear you speaking to me in, in my heart. I hear you speaking to me in my, in my personal prayer time. Lord, I hear you speaking to me as I'm journaling this week and praying about my future. But it's a whole different thing for you to take the word the Lord has spoken and then to go out and to lead other people and tell them, hey, this is what God said. But God only brings breakthrough on the other side of obedience. 
And can I just ask an honest question? Why would God give you fresh revelation about the unknown things of his will if you're not willing to obey the known will of God? Because don't we do that? A lot of us, we, we look at, we come into new moments, new seasons, and maybe this is one of those for you, and you're like, man, I, I want God to show me something new. I want God to tell me something I've never heard before. I want revelation. I want heaven's download. And, and, and God's going, you know, there's some unplowed ground in your life. There's some things that you've been needing to change for years. There's some things I've been, by my Holy Spirit, just prodding you with and, and bringing back to light and conversations that keep coming up and scriptures that keep speaking to that issue, and you just keep moving away. From, you keep avoiding that. And the Lord would say, this is the time to break up the unplowed ground, <coughs> to humble your heart, to obey his voice. This is how to break through. The W stands for worship. Worship. The ways we worship are through prayer and praise. Now, prayer is a big part of worshiping God. That's why the Psalms are so relatable, because it's a whole songbook of prayers. It's people calling out to God. Prayer is at the very center of Paul's description of the will of God for our lives. In 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, Rejoice always, pray continually and give thanks to God in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So at the very center of the will of God for you is to rejoice, but it is to pray continually. To pray, to call out to God. John, the apostle said this in 1 John. He said, church, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, I just got to say, if you believe the Bible to be true, that promise ought to stir your heart to pray to know the will of God. If we pray the will of God, he hears us. But he doesn't just hear us. He goes on from there. He says, and if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we have asked of him. That is a guarantee that ought to make you want to call out to God and say, Lord, more than anything else in this season, what I really want is I want to know your will. I want to know your will. And can I encourage you, church, don't just pray small prayers. Don't just pray little safe prayers. Like most of us, we pray prayers like, Lord, bless the food. Lord, give us traveling mercies. Lord, give us a good night's rest. Keep us healthy. And nothing's wrong with those prayers. But if that's all the prayer you're praying, I want to tell you, I think sometimes we, we insult the size of our God by the smallness of our prayer life. We're, we're asking for God to, to just bless this and to, to bless that and to, to make this work out. And God said in Psalm 2 and 8, he said, ask me and I'll give you the nations as an inheritance. Like, I, I've got so much more within my hand ready to release into your life if you would ask me, if you would believe. James 4 and 2 says, the reason you don't have is because you don't ask. You don't ask. When I look in the Gospels over and over again at the miracles that Jesus performed one after another, you know what I see? I see people that are, that are asking for help, and I see people that are obeying his voice. In Mark 9... There was a man whose son was having seizures. 
possessed of devils. They would throw him into the fire. That man's son was healed miraculously by Jesus for one reason. Because the Bible says, Jesus said, bring the boy to me. In verse 20, in Mark 9 says, and so they brought him. So they brought him. Like you, you've got to really come to Jesus with your prayers. You've got to bring the things to him. In Mark chapter 10, blind Bartimaeus calls out to God. And, and he, this man has never seen before in his life, but he says, son of David, have mercy. He calls out to God. And then the Bible says the, the people that were around him began to rebuke him. They said, hey, be quiet. But the Bible says he shouted all the more. Like, he, he, he wasn't bothered by what other people said. He shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus stopped, it says. And he said, call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, get on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, it says Bartimaeus jumped to his feet. He came to Jesus. And here's the question Jesus asked. What do you want me to do for you? You have not because you ask not. I mean, you made a, you made a racket here. You know, every, you got everybody's attention. What do you want? Come on, let's not let's not go in into this season with a bunch of you know shotgun prayers. Lord, bless me. How? What do you want? You know, a lot of people don't have a testimony of what God's done in their life because they never ask for anything specific enough to keep track of it. But but what if you were really specific? What if you said, God, this is what I need you to do. This is what I'm asking for. What do you want me to do? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. There were two criminals hanging on the cross next to Jesus as he was being crucified. One of them was cursing Jesus, and the other said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He asked. He prayed in that moment. In his final moment, became his greatest moment, kind of like Samson in the Old Testament who, who's standing there between the, the columns of the Philistine Colosseum and, and he said, Sovereign Lord, remember me and strengthen me one more time. His final act became his greatest act. Look, I want to tell you today that the breakthrough doesn't, doesn't happen to you. Breakthrough comes to those who seek it. We gotta pray. We gotta seek the Lord. I wanna ask the worship team to come as I finish this message talking about the other way that we worship, and that's through praise. Not just prayer, but through praise. I love this story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 of Jehoshaphat. He's the king of Judah, and he's surrounded by a vast army. And the Bible says in chapter 20 and verse 12 of 2 Chronicles, our God, will you not judge them? This is the king crying out. Will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Sometimes that's the best prayer you can pray. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And then the Holy Spirit, and this is the way God works. He begins to flow in the, in the life of a man named Jehaziel. And all of a sudden, Jehaziel has a word from the Lord. A prophecy comes up that says, do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. The battle is not yours. It's God's. And now Jehoshaphat is encouraged because that's what the gifts of the Spirit do in the church. They encourage the body of Christ. And it says in verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. They were praying. Because that's how we worship. 
They were praying. And then it says in verse 19, some of the Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and they praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. That's praise. So they're praying and they're praising the Lord. And then Jehoshaphat, he, he, he senses the anointing and he sends a, a choir of men out in front of the army. He sends the worship team out first with the weapon of their song saying, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And I want you to see this in verse 22. It says, as they began to sing praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. See, when we pray, we tap into the vision of God. When we praise, we tap into the volume of God. And they begin to lift their voice with a loud voice. And God, writing on the praises of his people, began to set ambushes against the enemy. All of a sudden, God began to turn the circumstance around. I want to tell you today, you can have a breakthrough. You can have a breakthrough. How? Humility. Acknowledge your need today. Can I just encourage you in these closing moments of this service? Acknowledge your need. Breakthrough starts with breakdown. Breakdown of pride. Breakdown of independence. Breakdown of arrogance. Breakdown of an attitude that says, I, I got this. I've been doing this too long to admit failure now. Breakthrough begins with breakdown. Obedience. Do what God's telling you to do. For some of us, that's, that's very practical because your step of obedience is to move into this season of prayer and fasting. But whatever it is that God's telling you to do, decide right now to answer the call. Receive the invitation to die to self. Make the sacrifice. And I'll be honest with you, there is no better way practically to die to self than to literally not give your flesh what it desires. That's why fasting is such a powerful discipline the third thing you got to do is you got to worship because breakthrough doesn't happen to you you have to seek it you have to press into God's presence because fasting is about more than missing a meal it's about feasting on God's word it's about feasting on God's presence pray and praise your way into his courts not just at church in these moments but every day to say, God, I'm, I'm pressing in. I'm pressing into your presence. So I want to invite you to stand with me.